welcome. Grab your favourite cuppa and settle in because it's time for Three Time Tea Time, the podcast brought to you by Folio Albums that serves up a delightful blend of conversation and inspiration. I'm Stuart and in today's episode we have a truly special treat for all you wedding enthusiasts. Amber, Millie and I sat down with the one and only Ed Piers, a renowned destination wedding photographer who has captured love stories in the most breathtaking corners of the world. Ed's lens has witnessed the magic and romance of weddings in far-flung destinations, from the sun-drenched beaches of Mexico to the magical landscape of Japan. He's seen it all. We talk about how we started out, being an introvert in the wedding photography industry and how to find your niche. We also discuss how Ed built a substantial following on social media but has shied away from it recently. Listen to discover his tips on how he maintains a successful business with virtually no social media effort, plus plenty of stories about his travels. So, without further ado, let's settle in, brew a fresh pot of inspiration and join us for a captivating conversation with the extraordinary Ed Piers. Get ready for a blend of laughter, tea and a whole lot of wedding magic right here on 3 Time Tea Time. Let's start with... You know, with kind of the first question, where you know, you know, how did you get into wedding photography? Now, I know a little bit of background, I think, as in, should we be calling you Doctor Piers? <laughs> you, you could do if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I guess I'll give you the short version because I guess everyone's, uh, you know, story to how they how they came about doing what they're doing now could could be potentially very long. We could start right at the beginning, but for me. Cut a long story short, as I said, uh, I've been a keen photographer for many, many days, going back to, I think, early teens. Mm-hmm. Um, used to love, I think photography was a kind of a form of escapism. So I, I guess I'm, I'm an introvert. And for me, like grabbing the camera and having that as an excuse to kind of leave a gathering of people and, and go off and take photos mm. or, <laughs> was um, was definitely you know that definitely played a role in me pursuing photography but then I basically uh, loved to travel as a a kid my mum's from Singapore and so we used to visit uh, the Far East quite a lot and um, just having the camera and traveling has always been like a big part of my life I guess and so um, through university I decided being a photographer was never on the cards really I think having an Asian mother I was <laughs> kind of raised to do something academic so I decided I wanted to become an airline pilot so I could continue you know I, I love to travel, I love travel. To fly. amazing yeah yeah so I, I that's what I pursued um, so I went to university I studied aerospace engineering and then through university I just enjoyed being able to travel um, during breaks and um, so I traveled a lot with my camera and really just found this passion of, of, of traveling to oh, places uh, yeah far and wide mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. um from from india to yeah the far east south south america and um really love just telling stories with my camera but again at that point it was just a hobby something i, I love to do and uh, i continued to pursue becoming an airline pilot so, so let's make this clear Sure. Um, you're incredibly smart then, aren't you? Oh, effectively, you, am I right in saying you can build rockets? Once upon a time, well, no, I was going to say once upon a time, but no, I could, I could never, never build a rocket. Once upon a time, I could probably uh, tell you how a plane can fly, but uh, yeah, that's on my brain. 
doesn't get used very often these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever flown a plane? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So I did a gap year between college and, and university and I did some flight training then. I, I didn't finish a, a license, but I did get to the stage of flying solo. Um, is it? And, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was great fun. But it was through university that I actually realised, like with all this travel with, mm. with my camera, that's when I kind of realised that it was really the travel that was what I was passionate about. And becoming an airline pilot would, was something that would just allow me to do that more mm. often. But I realised that, yeah, travelling with my camera was, was really my passion. So I kind of lost the ambition by the time I finished university to pursue the flying career. Do you think that deep down you've always been a creative, but perhaps, am I right in saying you were led more towards the academic side? And as soon as you got the opportunity or it was going to be, you know, travelling is is your your passion, the, the, the creative aspect, you know, re- reappeared to the surface yeah, again? Or, so. or have you always been a real kind of scientist? Because, you know, I did computer science. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a bit geeky. I'm... I'm creative, but I'm not super creative. And I'm just, you know, when I look at your work, I'm just like, wow, it's just, it's just beautiful. And um, it, to me, it, it screams creativity, not sciencey, academic. Yeah, it's interesting because I think, I think, I think maths, well, not just maths, but science, engineering, those kinds of subjects, I think they have a strong link to creativity. I think, um, you know, musicians are often good mathematicians. You know, mm, classical mm. musicians are often um, great mathematicians. And I think for me, um, I think the engineering feeds into things like composition and the way you see lines mm. in, in photographs mm-hmm. and, and the, I guess, also the technical aspects. So I, I think photography is a good marriage of creativity yeah. and the technical yeah. side of things. And so I think that's what makes it such so a good it, it's one of those creative outlets where you 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 can approach it from a technical perspective but equally sure. purely because the cameras are so amazing now aren't they yeah. in terms of it they, they can Absolutely. remove that ne- 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 the necessity to be incredibly it's, it's quite worrying isn't it, it isn't <laughs> so you could be a pure creative a creative person and use the camera and, and um and produce amazing imagery but you can come in from a technical perspective as well yeah and if you can find a marriage of the two i mm. guess that's that's maybe the sweet spot where mm-hmm. you can combine the two mm-hmm. but um yeah so, so kind of thinking ahead then you know get, getting on to how you got into wedding photography mm. the the travel was that the real kind of um, driver for that and then you were looking for ways in which you can turn it into a business i don't know how, no, how, how did the first it one wasn't, come about? it fell into my lap so basically after after i finished my undergraduate studies um i didn't want to work in industry so i decided i just wanted to continue this student lifestyle so that's when i did the phd yeah. so i didn't do the phd for any other reason than to continue <laughs> this lifestyle that i was enjoying delaying a decision perhaps or as yeah well. <laughs> maybe yeah yeah, yeah in, in, the in lifestyle effect, is I good I must, the university lifestyle is great it has to be said yeah it was just that freedom i i guess mm. to to I mean, you, you know, obviously you had to work and you had to study and the PhD was very difficult, but mm. I just enjoyed that that freedom of not being tied down too much. Um, so but the, the way into wedding photography was my friend who I, he was a friend that I, I traveled with regularly. Um, he got married, he got engaged and asked me to photograph his wedding. But my f- immediate reaction was no way. Like, mm. uh, I'm it's not- It's a common I'm not, story, this isn't yeah, it? It's amazing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's incredible. 
It's um, incredible. But yeah, I, I had, he had to twist my arm. Um, I really didn't want to do it because I guess we're going back to 2000 and the end of 2009 now. So, um, and all I kind of knew were the old ways of wedding photography, my own wedding ph- photographs, and which were very formal. We all know how, the, how, the, how the, mm-hmm. they looked, mm-hmm. our parents' wedding photographs, etc. And that didn't inspire me at all. But my friend, I mean, I owe a lot to, uh, to to my friend Dan because he really encouraged me just to take the photographs in the way that I took them when we travelled together, which was very much um, trying to be as creative as possible, um, but much more fly on the wall, documentary kind of creative storytelling, I guess, if you want to put some sort of label on it. But I'd kind of developed this little style that I was doing in my... Yeah, for my in, in my spare time, and I kind of just applied that to his wedding, and fortunately, yeah, things went went well. And uh, so Dan mm. is the man. So Dan is the man, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> Go I owe Dan. a lot to Dan. Yeah, he really. I mean, he he pushed me just to um, or encouraged me just to yeah throw out all the things that I thought I should be doing as a photographer, photographing a wedding, but just encouraged me to do my own thing. And I think. That's probably one of the biggest lessons I could, or, or biggest um, things I could encourage new photographers uh, to do is just forget about what you're supposed to be doing and mm. just do what you mm. want to do because that's ultimately how you're going to build a unique brand. And yeah, interesting because people, I think a lot of people feel like they have to fit a certain mold. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been done this way, so I should always do it that way, or this is what's expected, so I have to shoot like that. Whereas Absolutely. what you're ex- what you're explaining there is, you know, you had carte blanche, you know, freedom to just without the pressure, perhaps yeah. as well, you know, and Dan letting you kind of just go for it. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You, you could, so up from from the very beginning, you were able to hopefully set create your own paths. You know, you know, set your own kind of. Um, I want to say destination because we're coming on to destination <laughs> kind of photography. <laughs> um, but from that, was it an very kind of obvious or clear evolution to the destination photography. Yeah, uh, so I guess I was very fortunate in that um, after that first wedding, I, you know, it was just a wedding for a friend at that mm. time. Um, I put a few photographs up on Facebook, but I hadn't, again, I had no business aspirations at this point. I was working as a research fellow at this, at this point. I'd finished my PhD. I was at university continuing down that academic route. Um, and it was probably my second, I think the second wedding I photographed was a wedding in France. Um, it was for a wedding, it was for a couple that I'd met during my travels. And they saw my wedding pictures from Dan's wedding and asked me to, to, to come to France to photograph their wedding. And, mm. and so you got to remember back then, like destination wedding photography wasn't really a thing. I mean, there were maybe, you know, a small handful of people globally kind of doing that. I'm sure there were more, but um, in terms of photographers who people knew about, there was only a, a small handful, so it wasn't really a thing. And so to get asked to travel to photograph a wedding, and then, I mean, I wasn't charging hardly anything at, that, at this stage, um, but that got my mind, you know, thinking a little bit. And so I think the, the first year of photographing weddings, it was just the odd wedding here and there. I think I'm maybe five in my first year. Um, still full-time job. Still, after even after my kind of fourth or fifth wedding, still not really a business aspiration. I was just uh, 
mm-hmm. saying yes to people who were, who were asking. But I think by the end of that first year, I'd done five weddings. I think two were in the UK, three were overseas. One was in Costa Rica. I photographed a friend's <laughs> wedding in Costa Rica. And this is when I really started to get excited because I was like, you know, people are offering me money <laughs> to, mm. to fulfill a lot of my passions, not just photography, but of course, travel, but also food and just adventure and having new experiences. It, just felt too good to be true at that point so it was after that first year of just doing five weddings that I started that's when I started my website my website my blog and then I started to pursue more bookings um, because up to that point it was just friends again it was just really kind of friends or friends of friends asking me mm. So, so you, you took the conscious decision when you you know created your website and started you know writing your blog blog to talk about destination yeah so from for me from the very start travel and destination has yeah been a huge driver i don't think i was ever interested in becoming a local surrey wedding photographer the big appeal to me was was the travel yeah are you exclusively kind of destination now would you do a wedding in the uk yeah i do weddings in the uk but i think it's probably 70 30 splits of 70 percent overseas and nice and 30 percent uk that's yeah i'd say that's kind of the split at, mm. at the moment but i think that it all comes down to you know, I get inspired by not just traveling, but I think what it comes down to is just seeing new things and having that f- fresh pair of eyes at every wedding. I think mm. it just, yeah, creatively and and it just keeps my interest and helps me to do, a, I think, a good job for all of my couples because I'm not kind of going through the motions all the time. It's, it's always a new experience, mm. which... Something I, love. I, I love the fact that when you, you know, launched your business, it was a, there was very clear purpose. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember when I launched my photography business, I, I, I was offering wedding photography, portrait, headshots, pet photography, you know, yeah. it, it, it was, there was no real clear um, purpose there. Yeah, um, and I remember somebody explained it to me, you know, if you, if you needed a, uh, a knee operation, you'd go to a knee surgeon. Mm. You, know, you you wouldn't go to a, a GP or a generalist, you know, so, you know, I think, and I think position yourself as a destination wedding photographer, mm. somebody searching for that, that's what they're going to find. That's what they're going to look for. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I guess I was aware that I didn't want to be, yeah, a jack of all trades mm. photographer, for example, I, I think, and I'd encourage people to find their niche, um, find their, what they, what really is, you know, inspiring. Mm find their real passion and yeah just follow that even if it mm. even if they don't make money at the start it's important i think it's important to yeah follow mm. it's uh, sometimes follow important that. to uh, to uh, to know to know and be aware of what you don't want to do as as much as what you do want Indeed, to do yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah yeah and that's even now you know 13 years later i think i'm i still ask myself that question mm. just as you know at the end of every year or even during a year i'm kind of evaluating what is it that's going well? What is it that I really enjoy and what now that's to be- very interesting because when we um, um, spoke to Natalie, mm. she said exactly the same thing in terms of what she does is she takes time, even it, perhaps after a wedding or at the end of the year mm. to review what worked, what didn't work. Yeah. You know, the things kind of have to kind of, you know, the things need to change. Definitely. Um, and it, it's, you know, that's becoming a, a kind of a, a repeating trait message perhaps of um, yeah. of um, photographers who are either successful or you know 
demonstrating very good, you know, creative practice or business practice. It's mm. that that feedback loop, that process of just, you know, continual improvement or review. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, absolutely. That's and do, do you do important. you know do you, how do you do that? Do you is it just kind of mental time that you spend, or do you do you sit down with a sheet of paper and you mind map, or you sketch things out, or you know how, how do you kind of do that review process? And what's the trigger to say right, I need to do a review? Yeah, I guess well, traveling um, gives you lots of time. Mm. You know, you spend a lot of time on your own. You spend a lot of time, uh, you know, on an airplane. And for me, I. Oh yeah, I, I think being on a window seat in an airplane is where I kind of dream, and I, I kind of, for me, just putting, listening to music and looking out of the window on an airplane is that's kind of my happy place. I think mm. I think <laughs> that's where I start to dream. My mind wanders, and um, and I think just your traveling gives you perspective. That's the other thing I, I love about it. it. It's it removes you from you know everything you're familiar familiar with day to day, and just. By removing yourself from that, it really helps you to gain perspective um, and reevaluate everything. Mm-hmm. So I think just now, it's not something that I I do every month or anything like that. I just find myself re- going through that process of yeah, happy space. I like yeah, that sounds magical, doesn't it? Clouds, it's quite cliche, whatever, but it, it's true. That's that, yeah. 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 But imagine kind of um, um, people listen to, to this, and kind of me listen to it as well. You know, I'm thinking, oh well, it's all very well for Ed sitting on the airplane, looking out the window, <laughs> we've got the music on. But I know, having done lots of travel myself, it is exhausting. Mm. But you know, even if you're at home and you've got you know you know small kids and you've got the school run, you've got all these things that like you're running in your business and you're just kind of starting up. There's there there must be the opportunity, or we have to force the the, the um, having tension, you know, force that that time to have, you know create a happy space, be it just going out for a walk or yeah, and that's some where music the dog on. comes in. So that's where your yeah, she yeah, has, yeah, yeah. Has, has come in because I'm able to yeah, he forces me to to have that headspace. Yeah. So even and, if you don't yeah. have the window seat um, in. Um, business class or, or, or <laughs> no, no, if I'm lucky, yeah. if I'm lucky. <laughs> so even if you don't have that you know it's important in your business to take time to create your own happy space and it to kind of be able to think yeah I th- yeah and reflect I mean last year was crazy busy for me and I think the one of the positive things from the pandemic and 2020 and 21 was just that the amount of time we had to do this you know I think all photographers in fact, I think nearly everyone had this process of reevaluating every, you know, every part of their lives almost. Um, mm, yeah. And so, I created some great rhythms. I think uh, just day to day from having all that time in in twenty twenty. And last year was a busy year for me, and I really missed a lot of those, uh, you know, those good habits that I'd formed. I really missed them last year. So. Intentionally, you know, going into this year, I, I, you know, I don't want to be as busy as as I was um, last year. So I'm, I'm trying to. I mean, it's always hard to say no to work. Mm. Um, um, I know last year was kind of, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want a year like that um, every year going forward. That's for sure. Yeah. Going back to when you talked about launching your website and you kind of blog, did how long did it take before you re- you saw a um, Upstep, um, uptick in number of inquiries and um, opportunity uh, work op, um, opportunities for work. You know, did it was it an immediate floodgate being opened of work coming in, or you know, how long did it take? Yeah, yeah, it was really quick. Wow, um, it, it was really quick. I think because it, it got to the point where 
I was just almost, I was, I had so many inquiries that I was, it came to the point where I, I can't do both jobs here. I can't do this at the weekends and then study all this crazy stuff during the week at, at university. Um, so I was almost forced to, to, well, I was forced to make that decision. It wasn't a decision I, I, I planned. And I think the, the key driver to that mm. Um, to getting work quickly early on was just going back to the fact that I was I wasn't following the, the trends or, or or doing what every other wedding photographer was doing. I was just kind of trying to be myself with it, you know, behind the camera. And was that a happy accident or was that intentional? You know, as in hindsight, looking back now, looking back at that time, you know, do you think, oh yeah, I, I, it was it was a very kind of clear um, intent to be different, or you know, like no, say, it, was, it was a happy accident. It, it, yeah, it was a happy accident, I guess. Mm. So I'm kind of, ref- yeah, as, as I've done workshops and things over the years and prepared for those, and um, it's it's made me analyse, yeah, why did things happen so quickly at the start? You know, at the start, it was kind of like a whirlwind and I didn't really process much. So it's over the years I've reflected on why, yeah, wh- why did things happen so quickly and and, and continue to, to, to kind of go well, I guess, mm-hmm. and... Do, do, you, do you have people kind of ask you um, about, I don't know how to uh, position it, um, ask this actually, you know, being able to kind of position your your business, you know, as something different to what was available at the time, you know, perhaps somebody sitting to listen, listen, listening to this now will be thinking, well, well, destination weddings taken, um, alternative wedding photography is taken, I, you know, or, or there's nothing unique anymore. There's, you know, there's, everything's been done, everything's been taken, which probably isn't the case. But it, it can, it, I think sometimes it can feel like that. And, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I just, do you have any, do you have people ask you that when you're doing your workshops about, you know, how, it's, it's, it's a strange question to say, how can I be different? How can I be unique? Well, clearly everyone is yeah, uni- unique, and aren't they? You know. Th- and that's my, that's my answer is, is yeah, just, uh, it sounds cliche again, but yeah, mm. it's just searching within yourself and finding mm. what you really love. And, and being brave just to just follow it through yeah, even if it. nobody else is doing it or even if everyone else is doing it just don't mm-hmm. be different for the sake of being different mm. just realize that you are different and and um yeah i don't I hope that's not too wishy-washy or airy fairy <laughs> but um that's what i think that's what it com- comes down to i mean i was inspired a lot when i first started by uh, photographers i think the two main photographers who inspired me were jonas peterson who's, mm-hmm. who's yeah. probably the original Amazing. kind of storytelling mm-hmm. destination wedding photographer and he's, he's uh influenced a lot of people uh, over the years and so it was it was him and then sean flanagan who was um super creative throwing the rule book out of you know wedding photography and just doing his own thing and so those two combined kind of really inspired me and I definitely admit that I took on a lot of I guess yeah I was heavily inspired by by their work but the fact that they were the other side of the world Jonas in Australia and Sean in in the US you know that in Europe there wasn't anyone kind of doing anything that, that I could see at the time anything different so I was aware that what I was doing was different to everyone else but I wasn't being different for the sake of being different yeah like makes sense it does you know um i think sometimes 
you know, people feel that there's there's um, amount of element of fear because they they feel like oh I'm not particularly different or you know um, what I do isn't particularly unique. By the way, I kind of remember that, you know people say oh the early bird gets the worm, but then also mm. the second mouse gets the cheese. You know, so um, yeah. you know it's it's okay to you know um, be really good at something which is you know perhaps quite common. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so you know just kind of th- thinking, I did a, I did a, a few. Um, destination weddings uh, um, back in the, back in the day, and there were some I remember because they were quite extravagant, and I felt quite privileged to to be there. Mm. Um, I could never afford a wedding like that. <laughs> um, I just you know it would be l- wonderful to, to to hear and to marvel perhaps that maybe some you know if you've got <laughs> one particular wedding, you don't need to kind of name drop or anything, but you just you know just kind of blew your mind. Maybe because of just the destination. Maybe it was just actually quite low key, or you, yeah. just, you know you know something was just like jaw dropping. Wow, I'm just so privileged to be able to photograph this event yeah well i think yeah there there are (laughs) lots of stories to tell but i think um the ones that stick out to me are probably the 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 first few that i did because for that i I just remember being so excited and and thinking wow this is crazy that i'm getting to do this um that somebody would pay me anything Mm -hmm. even somebody would just pay my expenses to to travel and so my mind always goes back, back back to those weddings and i think a lot of those weddings were smaller, low budget, you know, um, not big, big budget weddings. And and a lot of people do destination weddings because they have smaller budgets. Mm-hmm. And actually doing a destination wedding often restricts the number of guests that, <laughs> that, that come and you have to feed and, and that sort of thing. But also some people will combine honeymoon into, into weddings. So actually they're not all um, luxurious, extravagant events. Often they're just very simple. And... Those, in a way, are some of the ones I, I love the most because I feel less pressure. I haven't got somebody spending sometimes millions on, on, on a wedding. I feel less pressure and I often have a better relationship with, with the couple. Mm-hmm. They've invested a lot in me in terms of um, time and getting to know me and, and trusting me with the, the, the photographs. And we often just have more time to make photographs um so i can be i can experiment more you haven't got this pressure of 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 delivering to clients who are you know spending Mm -hmm. a fortune so um so those would be the the kinds of wedding i you know i remember a wedding in mexico and i I photographed a couple in mexico and they they were mexicans living in in mexico and and they, they flew me out and um I can't even remember the, the, the name of the town they uh, they they lived in now, but it was not, it was, it was was the name. And um, I remember just driving out into the desert to take some portraits one day, and just going for this epic adventure. We didn't really know where we were going. We were just chasing the scenery, chasing the light, and amazing. we had a yeah. We found some amazing vistas. I remember getting you know tacos from a truck on the side of the highway on the way back to their place. You know those sorts of experiences mm. are kind of the ones that probably stick out the most in my mind. That's going to be the dream, isn't it? For yeah. a, a photographer yeah, who loves to travel. And, and, yeah. Is there anywhere left? Is there anywhere left on your list that you want to go or desperate to go back to? Yeah, that's another difficult question. I think yeah, <laughs> there absolutely are. Um, I mean, I, I kind of want to go everywhere, really. Um, but I guess, oh, to put names on places... I guess just places that aren't common destinations, you know. I, I love desert. I love kind of 
just the like wilderness. I'd love to go to Tibet or Nepal or in places like that. Mm. Um, I, I love Japan and I, I managed it, my last wedding, in fact, before the pandemic was a wedding in Tokyo. And we as a family love Japan. Hence, we have a, a Japanese <laughs> dog named Yoshi. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I absolutely love Japan. And that that Tokyo trip for me was just amazing because it was somewhere that I'd visited a lot uh, on holiday and with the family. But to do a, a, a Japanese wedding, uh, quite a traditional one, was really, yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. So that that was a, a good memory. I found it really interesting when you were talking about the, um, the fact that destination um, wedding photography isn't necessarily always with couples with huge budgets. No, absolutely Which I not. find is interesting because I think a lot of people... Perhaps would would assume that um, as in you know it, it, you know if people with a lot of money spending you know a lot of a lot of money on the event on the day on the photography but perhaps because um, the budgets are a bit smaller f- um, for the whole event and also they're going somewhere that they they've specifically selected mm. perhaps there is a slightly more bu- a bigger budget for the wedding um, for the photography side of things yeah definitely that's yeah. it so I think um, yeah the photography is often super more important yeah absolutely yeah. yeah and or, uh, or or a very important part of it because they you know like i said they've chosen this place they, they, they yeah. want to capture you know so that's what i meant captured. when you know i i, I mentioned they've invested heavily in you i mm. don't mean my fee necessarily i i mean like they really want great photographs and they really mm-hmm. want to choose the right photographer mm-hmm. um to do that for them so for them to trust me and fly me halfway around the world mm-hmm. or the other side of the world is, is yeah, incredible. Mm. So, privilege. if somebody somebody wanted to get into destination for, um, for to- uh, wedding photography or wanted to do more of it, then they don't necessarily be, need to be thinking about trying to reach those clients with huge budgets. You no, know? definitely not. What, no. what what kind of advice, perhaps, would you would you give them in terms of you know how to you know um, get into that market? Yeah, that's a good question. I, so I think I think the golden rule with I mean I when it comes to marketing I you know I I have no strategy really but I think it all comes down to me to you you got to show what you want to sell and and mm-hmm. you've got to you know you've got to have in your shop window what you want clients to trust you to do for them and so when it you know if you were starting from scratch and you want to build a destination brand I would just be concentrating on showing work that um, have has that travel element it doesn't need to be paying clients it doesn't need to be mm-hmm. a wedding couple it could be going on holiday with your family and taking lovely pictures of your girlfriend or, or spouse or, uh, or or you know or, or kids even mm-hmm. or just taking the time out on those family holidays to seek out some um yeah incredible landscapes or you know all all those things will trigger um the right kind of um feel to your you know portfolio Mm -hmm. um you know there's been times where i've been on holiday with my family and i've been thinking god if only i could had a a client here a a couple here who i could photograph and i haven't done this yet but you know often i'm you know, at breakfast in this hotel, thinking, "Oh, you know, <laughs> is there a couple here? Looks like they're on the honeymoon. <laughs> and, yeah, want, want a free, want a free shoot on the honeymoon." So God, I can could build you imagine? <laughs> if I'd just been on holiday and Ed Pierce is like, "Fancy free shoot?" I was like, "What?" Because <laughs> I know we we shouldn't have favourites, but we talk about the small weddings a lot, don't we? Mm. We love them, yeah. and, and it's. You know, me and Millie don't do file checking, but if we do see one of your albums come in, we'll al- we'll always have a nosy, yeah. won't we? Because. They, be, they feel so like intimate mm. 
and it's like when you can tell people haven't spent like obviously some people do the big budget thing and that's that's just as lovely because it's each to their own but when you see those really intimate weddings where it's there's sometimes you see it's just bride and groom and we saw that one the other day didn't we where it was bride and groom and two sets of parents yeah. in this tiny little like ancient chapel yeah in greece somewhere and i was just like <laughs> yeah that sounds like, i think it's easier to see the emotion when you know there's not hundreds and thousands spent on flowers and decoration and mm. you know hundreds of guests i think it's um the smaller weddings yeah make it easier to see you know what really matters i mm. sometimes but not to say i mean I, I do shoot obviously the big luxurious weddings too and they have their own um appeal i mean i mm. love i do love photographing those weddings they're yeah. a different challenge mm-hmm. um lots more going on lots more going on so i um yeah, I love the challenge as a photographer just mm. to be able to capture those moments. Is is a it's it's pressure, but mm. it's also uh, like a healthy challenge. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But with those events, I love the. It, it comes more down to the human creativity versus just the natural beauty of the world that that, that inspires me. So I think yeah. when you have planners and teams of people who are creating this kind of experience mm. for for guests it's it's incredible to be a part of those yeah and they do too. they have that kind of wow mm. factor don't yeah they? i mean sometimes you feel like you've been transported to a, a just a, a whole nother world mm. a, a different reality for the weekend <laughs> and um it's a weird feeling when you've finished a, a, a big job which might be multiple days and you you then you know get dropped back off at the airport and suddenly you're kind of back in the real real world and it's it's a, <laughs> it's a strange feeling but um, yeah, so I guess I'm drawn to both. Uh, yeah, um, it's nice that you you get to do mm. both, really. Mm. Yeah, I think just having that, yeah, having both, having that kind of, I've, I've lost my train of thought. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I was going to say yeah, yeah. Go for it, <laughs> that you said you were an introvert, so being in those events with loads of loads of people, when you mm. do then come away, is like a deep breath kind of feeling or do you still feel like you're in the background just doing your own thing and no one can see you and you're invisible just sort of doing your job yeah that's a good question yeah a bit of, probably a bit of both I mean what at, that, at those weddings I kind of I turn into an introvert extrovert I guess because there are times where you have to kind of um step out from the shadows and kind of do do your thing as, as it were um it's a every wedding is a roller coaster which is yeah, why I'm drawn to them so much. But that kind of leads on to the kind of marketing social social media, because we were talking about this beforehand, weren't mm-hmm. we? In, mm-hmm. in, in that, um, you know, you do have a large following online, but you don't tend to kind of follow the kind of trends necessarily. You don't seem to be um, kind of allowed, a kind of just present on social media all the time. You're kind of very kind of kind of reserved, perhaps, in your social media yeah. or your you know online strategy. How does that you know is that deliberate or is, you know how did you become you know um, have this kind of following but without really doing much? <laughs> is that yeah, well, it's, 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 dancing it's, in his kitchen on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I think, yeah, I mean, we could probably spend a day um, talking about all the aspects of that. But I think, in fact, over the last few years, because I'm not active on social media, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I would say that my following has been in decline over the last probably six years plus even, Mm. um, because it was probably around that time that I thought, now I'm going to 
I'm going to stop this and take a back seat and not really appear or, or not really, not because I don't want to share. I think there's the positives and negatives to social media. Um, I love the inspiring people, the sharing. That's great. But there's a lot of unhealthy stuff mm-hmm. too, both in a broader sense and how it affects people and, but also just in a personal sense, you know, I don't want to spend minutes or hours a day on online when I should be, you know, more present with my family, for example. I would say um, my social media following is pro- yeah, in decline because I don't post. I haven't posted well, probably for a, a year on, on Instagram. It's, it's pretty much just the Instagram story for you guys that, <laughs> that makes me appear on, on Instagram. And so, yeah, I would say it's been in decline. And I'd, I'd say the, the following that I have built up would would have been at the last the first half of my career as a wedding hmm. photographer and that had, when, clearly hasn't been detrimental to your business at all but no were, I th- yeah i think so time is longevity has been on my side mm. um because it's been 13 plus 13 or 14 years since mm-hmm. I, I started you know so the the, the kind of social media has changed so much mm. and i think i've got to the point you know a few years ago i got to the point where word of mouth and the relationships i've I've built with uh, planners as well as uh, previous clients. For referrals, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for referrals. Sustains me enough now that I don't need to do the whole social media hustle. But it's it's nice to hear that because I imagine there'll be um, people thinking that the you know social media is a necessity and perhaps it is at the very kind of beginnings of a, of a business it sounds like perhaps it was for you as well but you, you know you, there is a point at which you you know you can back away from it you you can um cut the cord uh, perhaps to to the to the you know, the social media um instagram um yeah um, i mean whatever yeah. the next media, social media platform will be you know mm-hmm. you've got to stage and it's and it's it built around relationships fundamentally that's yeah i think so i mean i yeah i think relationships are absolutely key and and the word of mouth referrals and and for me now the, the kind of where i am now I, I do much fewer weddings than i used to so i don't think i could book out as many weddings as i as i could do in fact i know i couldn't because i don't receive the volume of inquiries um through social media that i i once did so you know once upon a time at my peak i was maybe doing 45 weddings per year and 30 plus of those could have been destination weddings so I was super busy traveling loads and at, that was the point where for me um I was like this is too much Georgia my daughter is starting school now so we can't travel as a family as much around these weddings so that's when I made the strategic decision I guess to do fewer jobs and the natural way to do fewer jobs was just to generate less inquiries. Mm. <laughs> so I just decided, right, you know, I can I can afford to take a back seat. I don't need to hustle as much on social media. I don't need to submit my work to blogs and things like that quite so much. I can just kind of take a back seat. And as a result, my workload kind of came down. And it's at a point now where it's a nice, um, apart from, you know, last year was a, a little bit, uh, busy but um it's a, a, a kind of nice level now which mm. is which is good but i am aware i mean the whole social media thing and balancing how much you need to hustle and how much you need to be online and all that stuff is a constant um mm. thing i'm 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 thinking about even though i'm not you know <laughs> online and so yeah i've got to be careful that i don't 
just disappear into nowhere and become irrelevant. Um, That's the power in finding a niche though. In terms of like you've established yourself as kind of being that luxury destination wedding photographer and and word of mouth is so powerful when you've got that niche because those people tend to associate themselves with people that are similar or there'll be communities of people that love to travel and they would naturally then want to get married abroad somewhere and when you know you've got someone who's trusted somebody to go to this place and take amazing pictures and then they tell someone else who's like-minded they're gonna go off that recommendation yeah i think word so, of mouth is just so yeah powerful, so powerful yeah absolutely it's also nice to to hear you talk about the you know the situation in you're in now and how you can um adjust um the the work that you have for, for um the, the time in your life with you know with your family but is it fair to say that you're you're in this position now because you put the hard work in during the the early day the earlier years of your business in terms of travel traveling is exhausting you were submitting like the sounds of things to various different you know magazines or um um websites your work and you know you did invest in building that following on social media um you know building the relationships there was a lot of work it just didn't happen you know it didn't just drop on yeah it's on your lap you know and and now because of that as a result you can adjust things yeah that's a really good question and it's it's a funny thing because when i look back even you know even in those really busy years when i was traveling a lot because i was doing what i loved it it just didn't feel like Like hard work it didn't feel like hard work and because i've i've always um gone back to kind of only do what you love and cull what you don't love if you do that you end up just having a, a much i don't know i don't know you just enjoy your your work mm. so much more even the even the bits where you, i don't know am i making sense I, I'm, I, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm trying I to kind of you know um boil it down or try to turn it into something where you know if i was listening to this and i was i was thinking okay just just help, help me what you know tell me what to do you know it's I, I'm, I think I'm hearing work really hard on something you really enjoy doing. Therefore, it isn't hard work. Yeah, 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 okay. You know, find your niche, be consistent about it, repeat it over and over again, build relationships. Yeah, you know, I think do what you love and get good at what you love, and the rest will follow. I mean, again, people will just go, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> when, they, when they hear an answer like that, when they hear an answer like that, but to me, that's what it is. I don't have marketing strategies or plans or anything like that I can't I think if you do what you love you and you get good at it people will notice your work and people will ask you to work for them and if you treat the people you you work with well then yeah then mm-hmm. things should work out so you know where I am right now what isn't a product of me of a goal that I had it's just an organic kind of outcome to the approach I've taken, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, just kind of conscious that we just. This you know, is the longest one we've done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, 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 don't apologise. I've got more questions in my, in I know, my I head. I feel like I've been sat here the full time, <laughs> just <laughs> <like> smiling. <laughs> I know, no. yeah, I, I'm feeling your eyes on me, though. I'm, I, I keep, I'm <laughs> looking down at your clock, and you're looking at me. I can I can feel it. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Um, so it just, you know, um, Amber has a, has a question. Yeah, it's yeah, just sure. a silly question. Go for it. And I'm aware that we've spoken to a lot of Southerners today and I'm scared that people <laughs> don't know what I mean. But what are you having for your tea? What am I having for my tea? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm, 
I've been well. I have. I haven't e- eaten a thing today. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't eaten for an hour, and it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a trip coming up next week, and I think um, I'm fasting as much as I can at the moment, so I can eat as much as I want on this trip. <laughs> like it. <laughs> like it. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's a good question. I think. Uh, I think it's going to be some British grub, maybe a mm. burger, something like that. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. 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 Nice. And what about you guys? Because I know you guys have worked up an appetite today. Mm. We don't, we still don't know. No, we're rough in we've been, we, Every person we've asked, we're like, oh, we're having some dinner in London afterwards. And Lisa's had dim sum. Mm. Natalie's having pasta. Yeah. Um, but we we don't know what to do. Now we've got a, we've got a hankering to go to, to Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I can give you some good recommendations. Oh, amazing. Well, lovely. Amazing. Thank you for your time. Oh, really you're more than welcome. It. Lovely mm. to meet you Fascinating. And, and, and chat. And now, yeah. um, if people want to kind of see more of your work, find out more about you, probably not on Instagram, because... <laughs> Of course, you know, there's all the archive there. Now, your website's beautiful as well. There's some fantastic oh, work on there. Yeah, everything's in need of an update. Sorry, you know, yeah, I apologise for... For that, everyone. <laughs> um, but I bet, guess the best is just to search Ed Pierce on Google, or is there anywhere you would want yeah, to, yeah, yeah. people to go and um, kind of check you out? No, no, absolutely not. Just um, yeah, search Ed Pierce if, if you really want to, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd recommend it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And one final question for me: Where's the next destination? The next, be, be it a wedding or be it um, family trip. Um, the next, uh, we we just had a lovely family trip, hence the fasting, because I you know did, did you know overeat on that trip. Mm. The next trip is a little bit hush hush, so um, oh, I can't oh, actually. Oh, 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 the mystery of Ed Pierce continues. He's <laughs> <laughs> disappeared on social media, and now we don't know yeah, where sorry, he is in the I world. Don't, I, don't, I don't mean to be. Uh, yeah, we, we just drop a um, an air tag in his pocket when he leaves. Yeah. So we, can, <laughs> we can follow you. <laughs> but I think the next one that I'm allowed to. do to tell you about it would be will be venice um okay in, very nice, nice. Very nice. italy yeah. hype still high yeah. yeah yeah i love italy yeah, yeah. italy yeah. is one of my i mean it's so consistent um it's it's just a, it's a great destination I, mm. I love it as a country beautiful fantastic Ed, amazing thank you so much yeah. really appreciate it very welcome thank cool and thank you and we sign off yep okay speak to you soon bye bye guys <laughs>